Okay, well, we have much to talk about, and I'm really excited to say, um, I know you kind of find this hard to believe, I was doing some further study during worship, felt I had to go back and look at a passage that for some reason didn't make it on the sheet, but is phenomenal. I, I just can't wait to share it. But before we do that, I want to encourage, um, I've got something I want to share with you that's related to, how did that get up there? All right. That's related to this, and it is a quote from something that I am, um, that I'm reading. I'm reading, I'm reading a book right now that is, um, I feel it's directed to the Lord. It's not a um, spiritual book by any means, but it is a, it is something that relates to, um, the, you know, the delight word from this morning. It, it really is because if if we're not delighting in what God wants us to participate and partner with Him in, then that means that our our focus and our attentions are being drawn away to spend more time doing other things. Okay, and one of the things that this this book is doing it's about. It, it's 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 a business person who has uh, been in business, an entrepreneur, and who travels the globe and does seminars and stuff. And um, I won't mention the name, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a quote that is very powerful. That I think is 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 a practical way of helping us to stay focused on eternal things. Here it is, and you may want to jot this down because. When I use the term, most of the time we'll go straight to business. But I want us to take it and you can apply it to business. You can apply it to anything. But I want us to take the word productivity and apply it to our spiritual walk. So true productivity is this. It's about doing more of what is in your desire zone. I'm going to say delight zone and less of everything else. Now, he takes a whole book and uses this principle to help people learn how to focus. And the title of the book is Free to Focus. And uh, I kind of thought the guy may be a Christian, and so he's got references to one of, the, one of his things that he does every day. He has a routine. One of the things he does is he gets up and he focuses on reading the Bible. Every single morning, that's part of his morning routine. And so when I read this statement here, now he's got a whole premise, there's much, much more, but you get, you get the point. The gist of is focusing on the things that God really delights in and what He's called you to do and be in His kingdom and less of everything else. It's kind of like everything else is going to pass away, right? Only the things that are eternal are going to remain. So... In no way am I saying we can't go to the beach. Okay, but what you you get the point. Anything can take pre, uh, the the preeminence if we allow it. I mean, anything. The beach, video editing, audio editing, um, and I'm not going to ask a show of hands. How many of you really are really? Some of us are really good at having a laser like focus, but most of us. 
uh, during this time frame, it seems to be more challenging. So I'm taking this as a, as a thing and I'm practically integrating some things that I know are very good spiritual principles like this where I want to focus more on the thing, the desi- delight zone, the things that God has put inside of us to do and be in His kingdom. Intercession, prayer, even when you don't feel like it, studying the Word, writing outlines, putting together messages. Those are things that are in my part of my desire zone. Anything that comes into that or doesn't align with that, guess what? It gets N-O, no. And this guy, this is the way he stays focused. He stays on task. And it's just a good thing. So I wanted to kind of share that with you. Now, that in mind, we're going to go into part two of the teaching on delight. I've got to really, I'm going to, I'm going to go all over the place on this with the remaining pages you have. But I do want to start off with our calling and our placement. And we're going to look first uh, at the example of King Solomon. In 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 6 to 10, it says, And she, meaning the queen of Sheba, said to the king, It is of a true or emet report, emet's from Ammon, that I heard in mine own land of your acts and your wisdom. Howbeit, I did not Ammon the words until I came. And mine eyes have seen it. And behold, the half was not told of your wisdom and pros- uh, prosperity exceeds the fame which I heard. Happy are the men. Happy are these servants which stand continually before you and shema your wisdom. Those are two characteristics of John the Baptist too. I, did, I had never seen that before. Uh, how that we're friends of the bridegroom. We stand and we what? We hear really interesting that Solomon um, is being referenced here by someone else, a queen that says this is what they're doing before you um, to hear and obey the wisdom that God has put within you. Blessed be Yahweh your Elohim, which delights in thee. Now, this just the ways of God are again on display here, because a lot of times we're so prone to see the negative side of things. When you start talking about Solomon, he screwed up and he married all his wives, right? We tend, we're prone in our fallen nature and in, in, in our carnal nature to seem to lean. Some of you are better at this, but part of me, I tend to see things from a negative standpoint first. And, and that's part of, I've often wondered why, not always, why am I always seeing the negative up First, because it's like that's where things are not functioning that I see needs to, and then grace can be applied to, to function properly. I guess that's kind of the get evangelistic gifting is you in order for something to, to know how it functions, you see dysfunction. Make sense? Um I don't know how I got off on that tangent. Let me bring us back. Delights in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel because Yahweh loved Ahab Israel forever. Therefore, he made you to be the king to do two things to do Mishpat 
and justice. And she gave the king 120 talents of gold and spices, very great store and precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba had given to Solomon. So I know where I went. I was talking about Solomon, how we see things negatively. How in the world can God say in this verse, already knowing what he's going to do and how he's going to be drawn away and say, I still delight in thee so much that I'm going to position you and I'm going to place you to be a king over an entire nation of people. And in that regard, it's twofold. There's really two major responsibilities as a king. And that still applies to us too. Is to do, to do judgment, partnering with the spirit of judgment and burning, and to do justice. Now, it's not a justice thing and it doesn't have anything to do with social justice. It's more it, spiritual justice and, and, and making sure that people are aligning in, with, with what God intends to do in the earth. But that's a whole other discussion. But here we've got this whole scenario which centers around his kingly calling and his placement and God taking great delight in that, even though he knows he's going to miss the mark down the road. That's us. God doesn't look at... He doesn't hold things against us in advance, even though he knows we're going to make mistakes along the pathway. And we can be, yeah, we can be, that's where grace comes in in the New Testament. They didn't have much, they didn't have, they had grace, but it was in a different dispensation in the way God utilized it. But, you know, when you think of Saul, what's one of the first things that comes to mind with Saul? Man, he didn't, he disobeyed the Lord, right? He didn't do what God said to do. Huh? I'm not real quick to, Maybe 25 years ago, I was quick, real quick to, to be hard on individuals like that. Well, why did he do that? Well, it makes a lot of sense now to me because where we are in the Lord, because at any given moment, these principalities and these powers that are out there, they got a lot of teeth spiritually. They are not toothless. They have twisted power. They have limited power. Don't get me wrong. But in the same breath, I know that to remain humble is, is the way to go. To, to, contrition is the way to go. And that's why the Lord has hammered that for so many years. And He, st- he will continue to do that. And we're going to see in just a moment in the life of Job where that comes into play. Like now. So in Job chapter 34, verses 1-9, through Job had some really unique friends. I mean, they had great intentions. They really did, but they missed it a lot in, in, in the discussions with Job and trying to help him. So here we have a, a scenario in, in Job 34, verses 1 through 9. It says, Furthermore, Elihu answered and said, Hear my words, O you wise men, and give ear unto me, ye that have knowledge. For the ear tries words, and the mouth. Mouth tastes meat. Oh, that's a revelation, isn't it? The ears and the mouth. Anyway, let us choose to us judgment. Let us know among ourselves what is good. For Job has said, I am righteous and God has taken away my judgment. Should I lie against my right? My wound is incurable without transgression. 
What man is like Job who drinks up scorning? And if you look at the Hebrew word lag there, and it means it just means derision or like imitating someone that's a foreigner or speaking in an unintelligible way. In other words, uh, I think there was a a verse that said scoffing um, like water, which goes in company and which just associates with those workers of iniquity. Workers there just means to do and make things in a very systematic or habitual manner. And what is what is he working or, or doing? It says iniquity. And he, and he walks with wicked men. For he has said, now this is not Job, this is just, this is not Job saying this, this is, stay with me. For he said, it profits a man nothing that he should delight himself with Elohim. This is a negative thing where Job is not saying this, but there's this propensity for those around him and this concept of why are you doing this? There's really no profit or, or, or satisfaction or pleasure in walking with, with, with being, uh, being with Elohim or being in God's heart. We know that's totally ludicrous. You know, Job was, I mean, the whole start, starting of chapter 1 is initiated by the Lord. Have you considered my servant Job? And then it goes through the whole story. He's accused by, I mean, I mean, look, look here. He's he's accused of drinking up, scorning. I mean, just in, just gulping it down like Kool Aid. Um, he's being described as someone that is systematically and habitually um, um, working iniquity and then walking with wicked men. And then, Joe, what are you doing? It profits you nothing to 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 delight in, in the things that God's focused on in his heart. It's just really interesting to see this here. Now, you don't have this on your, your handout because this just came. I don't know why I didn't put this in here, but behemoth is spoken of with this word delight. Now, we're gonna, you might want to look this up with me. It's in Job, uh, Job 40. And Behemoth, um, it says he moves, and the word for moves is shafetz, his tail like a cedar. So let's read this together. Job 40, verse 15 through 17. Behold now, Behemoth, which I made with thee, he eats grass as an ox. Where's Declan at? He's back there. There's the old grass thing. Lo, now, there it is right there. I shouldn't be eating any grass, right? His strength is in his loins. His force is in the navel of his belly. He moves, that's the word, um, uh, kafetz. And this is a fallen capacity. I can never see this before. In Behemoth, that he's bent, there's this desire and there's this inclination for his tail to, um, uh, to, to move like a cedar. Now, so I started quickly studying these words. It says it's his tail. So when you look up that word for tail there, it means the flapping of the tail or to wag the tail. Wait a minute, that represents something. So it immediately it just came to me that if you're wagging the tail or you're flapping it around, you're really trying to um, 
draw away or, 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 or get somebody to focus on that. It's a distractionary kind of a maneuver that he works in his tail like a cedar. Now, if you study the cedar here, it speaks of its tenacious, tenacious root system and it means to be firm. So just think about that for a minute. We're talking about what God delights in, what He wants us to focus on, right? And this creature that God created originally as the chief of the ways of God says, you know what? In my fallen capacity now, I've got, the, my, I've got an ability to try to draw away your attention by wagging of my tail and to get your attention off what you need to be focused on that, it, that gets your root system deeper in the ground and firm in something that never was intended to be a part of. Does that make sense? I, um, it makes a lot of sense. But I had never seen that. And I thought, you know what? I've got I've to put this in here. So I encourage you, go back and study this. Look at, I'm going to go back later on too and, and look, look further at it as well. But man... Be slow to speak. So that's kind of all I'll say there. Enough said. That's, that's, that's a lot. Now, Psalm 16, verses 1 through 3. This speaks of, of God telling us that all His delight is in the saints and the excellent. Preserve me. O oh God, for in Thee do I trust. And then he brings in the soulish part. O oh, my soul, Thou hast said to Yahweh, Thou art my God. My goodness, or Tob, extends not to Thee. So the soulish part, of I believe this is David here, or a psalmist. The soul was saying, I don't think your, your tobe, your good tobe is extending towards me. But then he says in verse 3, transitions out and says, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight, all my pleasure, all my desire, all that I value, everything that is, the things that are in my mind are, are, are directed towards the saints and to the excellent. That's phenomenal. That's us. That's people like us. We've never been a group that has been inclusive. We're the only ones. No one has ever said that. But people accuse all the time that way. Oh, you think we're you're better than... Who said that? You're pulling that out of the air or some other part of your anatomy. You know, it's, that's just not... We've never said that. Why do people think we're just, we're the only ones? We're just telling you, hey, there's something further, right? And the flesh is going to rise its old ugly head up and go, oh, no way, there can't be anything. We're all saints, right? Okay, like we're all sons. But he's given us power to become something that we weren't when we were a child, right? Heir, joint heir. I mean, what's, how, do you, how do you, it makes perfect sense but the enemy is trying to do everything he can to keep people, including churches and mega churches and just any group of people from walking in their full inheritance. But God, this is 
He looks, he looks at us in this moment. He looks at anybody that's operating this way. And he says, my pleasure and my delight, the things that I value are, are saintly and those things that are uh, excellent. Now, I'm not going to go into an excellent teaching, but um, you, you get the idea. When God, when God peers down and He looks across the entire globe this morning at every gathering, notice I didn't say church, because we know the ecclesia is not a building. We are the ecclesia. When He looks, I wonder what He's thinking. I wonder if He's saying, hey, I delight in those people there. They're, they're functioning as saints. Or they're moving... Uh, as, as the excellent, the way that I see it. And there are a lot of people that, that, that he would definitely put that stamp of approval on. But there are lots of scores of, of people in churches that, that he, he might not do that. We, were, we used to be that way, right? <laughs> we weren't always saints. We were more functioning as... I wouldn't say we were illegitimate, but I would say we're, we were kids. We were children. Because that's all we knew, right? That's all we knew. We, we were in a big nursery. You know, we, we kept hearing the salvation message every Sunday. I did. Every single Sunday. And it's like, Dad, all 20 people are born again. We, we can only do this so many times. You know, a recommitment can only be recommitted. You know, I mean, is there anything else that God's saying to His people? That's what I used to think as a little kid going to church. And I didn't even like it as a kid. But I digress. Let's look at the next section here. On the plan of Yahweh. Psalm 37, and I kind of referenced this one um, this morning. Trust in the Lord. Trust in, in the eternal plan. And do tobe. Actively be doing tobe in the earth. And when you do that, you're going to dwell in the land and verily you'll be fed. That is a progression that we have to follow. Trusting, doing the tobe leads to dwelling in the land and being fed. And then we come to verse 4 where you delight. And the word for delight here is another Hebrew word that means to be soft, which is really being pliable to whatever he has interest in. Delight yourself, very personal. Didn't say try to delight your neighbor or your, your cousin or your aunt or uh, try to get that church to delight in those. No, it said delight yourself in my plan and then I'll, I will give you the desires of your heart. How, how is that possible? Because when you and I are delighting in the eternal plan, that's His, then the desires of the heart, which is His heart within us, will be given to us. It's not about just giving me anything I, I want. You know, I can't walk out the door and go, oh man, I want to have David's SUV back there. What a Yukon. I claim it and it's mine, right? Tomorrow I never get it. The next week, the next month. Oh, it's a lack of faith, brother. <laughs> really? It's stupidity, actually. It's foolishness to, to, to make statements like that. But there are people believe that. You know? But that's, that's not what this is. It's a progression. And then it follow, and then after that, after he gives us the desires that are in our heart, what do we do with it? Commit. <laughs> Commit thy way, which is Derek, our 
our own roadway or the course of life or modes of action we take unto the eternal plan. That's, that's a really neat flow there. And then it says, trust, he brings it up again, which is our place of refuge, um, our, our place that we can have absolute confidence and surety in also in him, and he'll bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. So that is a very, very powerful progression that we follow. Delighting ourselves, being pliable to whatever is in the eternal plan. Not hardened, you know. Stacy brought up the reference about Pharaoh's heart being hardened by the glory. No, no, pliable, soft, ready for what God wants to do. And then you keep reading a few verses down in Psalm 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by Yahweh and he delights in his derrick, in his pathway. But it's all linked to the plan, and the delight comes out of that plan. <laughs> it's a divine delight. There's nothing. It's not like we're we're, we're going to say we're going to conjure up our own delight. It has nothing to do with that. It's the it's the relationship part that comes from the eternal plan. Then the delight comes, and we partake of it internally in the inward man, and that keeps us moving forward. It keeps us happy. It keeps us delighted. It keeps us you know, in a, in a state of uh, joy. You get what I'm saying? It's not always going to be that way, but everything is, everything goes back to Him. Psalm 147, 7-11. Sing unto Yahweh with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp unto our God, who covers the heaven with clouds, who prepares rain for the earth, Send a lot of that to Texas, Lord. We need the rain there. Who makes grass to grow up on the mountain. Sorry, Declan, he brought up grass again. <clears throat> um, he gives to the beast his food and the young ravens which cry. He delights not in the strength of the horse. He takes no pleasure. This word for pleasure is, is raison, and it, it's from ratsah, and it, it means to delight, be pleased with, to, to satisfy a debt. I mean, if you're paying off something, oh my, great delight. That's the feeling. That's what he's talking about. In the legs of man. It's kind of funny, isn't it? Well, we know he takes no delight in my legs. That's for sure. But <laughs> it's just interesting how he's saying, I don't, the, the, uh, the, the animals, I take no light in that strength that that horse has, nor the, 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 you know, the legs represent a lot of things. But, he says, I don't take delight in that. But Yahweh takes pleasure. Same word, Rasson from Ratzah, in those that fear Him and in those that hope in His mercy. So you've got three important factors here. You've got the, the reverential fear, hope, and then mercy that comes out of that. That's, those are things He delights in. When, when, when the Lord looks over, the highest levels are our government. I wonder what He thinks. I wonder what goes on in His heart when He looks. And, he, and people can try to hide it. Jeremiah spoke very candidly about 
that's trying to hide from the Lord. I don't care who it is. The president of the United States down to, you know, the the, the person that is faithful to be here to uh, uh, a gathering like this. He sees it all. He knows those that fear him. He knows those that are a bunch of give, giving lip service uh, at the right time, at the right place. He, he knows all of that. He knew Solomon was going to get entangled with other things that he shouldn't have. He knew he knew Saul was going to. He knew Saul was going to make the mistake before it even happened. But he said, I'm still choosing him as a king. These things don't make sense to us. Humans want to do just the opposite. When God said, my ways are not your ways. He's really shown me that even more these days. I wouldn't like I told you this more. I wouldn't have done it that way. Kill the Israelites. You said your anger is kindled against the Israelites. You didn't say the Israelites and David. <laughs> but he chose to do something different. Our job is to try to learn to discern the ways of, of the Lord. And that's an ongoing thing. You know, I'm going to really plug in this thing with Behemoth. I hadn't associated some of the things that I've been sensing and feeling and being trying to being drawn away even relate it to the tail or the wagging of distracting influence of Behemoth until this morning. There's no fear. We, we don't have to fear because the Lord knows we fear Him. And we're going we're gonna to miss the mark. We, 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 we are. We're going to do things that we shouldn't. But we need to be very quickly like David and go, you know, I numbered the people. The, the, the passage in Chronicles said David's heart smote him. The moment we recognize it, his, God's Spirit's going to go, you shouldn't have done that. And that's when we go, I've sinned. You know, Lord, help me, cleanse me from all unrighteousness and get me back into proper alignment. That's the key. Psalm 40. Verses 6-8, through eight, these are verses that speak of doing the will of Elohim. Psalm 46-8, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. What? That's what the Old Testament, that's what it was all about, right? He's telling us it was never that. And then it says, mine ears hast thou opened... Open to what? Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Required there is from our, our Hebrew word sha'al. Then said I, lo, I come. And in the volume of the book it was written of me. I delight to do your rasan, O Elohim. Yea, your law is within my heart. There's the inward man again. The heart of man inside of us. It was always God's focus and always His intent that the inner working of what He created within us to function in His delight and in His desire and the things that He focuses on. And any and everything else, say no. No. It goes back to the quote I gave you this morning. If we focus solely on the things that we are created to be and do in, this, in, in His kingdom, 
That's all we need to do. We still have fun. We still have our hobbies. But that takes the preeminence in everything we, we, we do in this life. Apostle Paul said it different ways. Set your affections on what? Things above. Where Christ sits at the right hand. But then we come down from that and we think, oh, well, yeah, but. God. Legalism, I'm not getting into any of that. I'm just, you, you get what I'm saying. Our focus. If I want my heart to be drawn away or I want to focus on. And I have to be very, and you do too, you have to be very careful because some of the things that, that I like to do are not necessarily the things that fit in the in your desire zone where God's created you to function. Because if you say yes to some of these things, guess what you do to the others? You have to say no, right? Time is fixed. We can never get time back. It's gone. But one of the things we can do is our energy can be renewed. It's a renewal resource that God's given to us. Who and what are you going to give your energy to? It's either going to... Your energy level is going to be um, propelled forward or you're going to be absolutely drained and exhausted from what you do. It's up to us. That's all I'm saying. I want to be one, and I know you, too, you do as well, I want to be someone that spends their lives on the eternal things more than anything else in this life. We still have our responsibilities. We still go to our jobs. That's all part of it. But I want to fight. And that's one of the major things he's trying to communicate to me. And I know he wants this for all of us is do this. Delight in the things that I delight in. Delight to do my will, my intent, my purpose. And anything else that would try to compete with that, say no. Some of us have a hard time saying no to things. Say no, it's easy. N-O, two letters. <laughs> if it doesn't align with the goals and if it doesn't align with what He's called you to be and do, you know. For me, I love to do certain things and the Lord's putting His finger on it and He's saying you're spending too much time on this. And I'll give you one example just to, just to kind of be transparent. I love working with video and I love working with audio. I love editing. I love spending time going and, and doing things like that. But it takes up way too many hours. Way too many hours. And he's going, study more of the Scripture. That's, that's your desire. That's the, the, the delight zone for you. Study it. Put together teachings, writings. Record those things. Let somebody else do editing and audio editing and all that. You see what I'm saying? Because if, if you're spending all your time on that, you're not really focused on the main things, the, the, the better part of what He's created you to be and do. And that's different for all of us. It'd be like Stacy trying to come over here and do video editing when she knows she needs to be doing worship, right? She starts doing that, guess what? She's being drawn away. Or any of us for that matter. I'm really hammering this because I know our focus can get off very easily. <laughs> Just when you think you've got a, a good hand, handle on it, guess what? Here comes Behemoth with his tail wagging away. Or you know it, you're like, how did I get here? 
And then the Lord's faith will bring you back into alignment. Mm-hmm. Okay, Psalm 51. Truth in the inward parts. I thought that I would be sharing a teaching on the inward parts, but it, it never really truly develops. But it, we, I am going to mention it here. And like I said, it came from a dream, and so we've already made declaration about that. Psalm 51, verses 5 and 6. This is David saying this. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. Wow. Before I even left out of my mother's womb, man, I'm already jacked up. Pardon the expression. I'm already messed up from the very beginning. Ma, what did you do to me? <laughs> and in sin, did, or and the father, let's go ahead and throw him in there too. Takes two to tangle. And in sin did my mother conceive me. So he's starting out everything, even before he's in the earth, in iniquity and in sin. And then he says, verse 6, Behold, you desire truth, emet, which is from the iman, in the inward parts and in the hidden part. Okay, those are two different distinct areas of our uh, spiritual makeup. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Just very, very interesting that God is focused. He is inclined and, and, and put within us this desire that he, he wants his truth in the deepest places of who we are. And he said that's the inward parts, plural, not singular. And in that part is where we gain and learn and, and know his, his wisdom. The verbiage is so picturesque, shapen, conceived. Psalm 109, this, this is a, uh, a negative example. Um, I'm not going to read through all of this. I, I have it there, but we, 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 for the sake of time. Um, I, I, I've given this section, delights not in blessing. Um, verse 6 mentions the wicked man and then Satan standing at the right hand. If you keep reading down through there, let's pick up at verse um, 16. Because that he remembered not to show mercy, but persecuted the poor and the needy. Needy here means to be in want or destitute, but it's from our Hebrew word, Abba, which means to breathe after. There's a target on our back. Because we are poor in spirit, we recognize our 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 need for him and his spirit, but also we are identified as those that are um, that are that are needy. That are really we are still destitute. We we want to be able to breathe after his spirit and what he wants to accomplish, right? And that's here that he might even slay the broken in heart. As he loved cursing, how could anybody love cursing? I mean, but that's what the enemy realm's all about. Um, so let him come to him, and as he delights not in Baraka from Barak, so let it be far from him. Okay, you want cursings? That's going to be your portion. You don't want any blessing? You don't want a Barak? You don't want to bow the knee and submit to me? That's what you're going to get. And as he clothed himself with cursing like a garment, so let it be unto him, 
so let it come unto his bowels like water and like oil into his bones. Let it be unto him as the garment which covers him and his girdle which <laughs> wherein he girds himself continually. Let this be the reward of mine adversaries from Satan, meaning, meaning to attack or accuse adversaries from Yahweh and of them that speak raw against my soul. So this is a this is go back and look at it in, 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 in its entirety. Enemy forces are after us. He'll do anything he can to try to prevent us from fulfilling the call and placement of the Lord. He will. He'll attack. He will. But in this case, you know, if there's enemy forces that, you know, they, they just take great delight in, in cursing and not blessing, then God says, you know what? I'm going to give you over to that. Seems like Romans 1 says God gives people over to whatever they want, right? He is. He's not some kind of um, cre uh, person that's going to force anybody to do anything. We choose our pathway. I chose to get up this morning, even though I wanted to sleep. Everything we do is our choice. People say, well, I don't have a choice. There's choices all around us. I choose to pray. I don't have to pray. Oh, God, I've got to pray again. I choose to pray. And when I say that, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm just, oh, my spirit is so alive this morning. I'm alive. There's days that it feels like it's dead inside me. What does that mean? Does it mean I've all oh, missed God? It just means, hey, there's something new going on inside me. Something is dying. And it's called me. <laughs> it, death feels like death. I know that sounds like a revelation, but the wilderness feels like you're in the desert, right? It feels dry. It feels like there's no vegetation. There's nothing to eat. There's no water. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be condescending here. In fact, this is all about pointing the finger at me. Trouble and anguish. Okay. Kind of talked about this a little bit, the day of calamity, but now we're going to look at trouble and anguish and delighting in the commandments. <laughs> they go together. Psalm 119, verse 143. Trouble. And that's the, the narrow, the tight place. Uh, uh, feels like you're, 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 you're being crowded up in by opponents and anguish. And the word anguish there does have the connotation of, of narrowness, but it also speaks of confinement and disability. Now, I thought, wait a minute. So I understand the trouble part. We all know what that feels like. That can be a physical thing or it can be a, a, a spiritual thing. But a disability, I started thinking about, okay, wait a minute, I'm, I'm going to split this thing right on the middle. Dis and ability. So you got the prefix followed by the main root word, which really means you feel when you're in anguish, a lack of adequate power, strength, and that could be physical or mental. And, and, and in that, I studied the trace that word all the way back to its root and it means obviously if you're in a narrow place you're feeling compression it's really compressed and tight but it can also lead to oppression and distress so this word is very very um what's the word i'm looking for has a lot of variety in it is in its meaning 
anguish. Disability is just the opposite of ability. And so I started thinking about dunamis. And you see what I'm saying? See where I'm going with it? That's even a further, further type of teaching. But it says it's taken hold on me. But in the midst of that, what does he say? Your commandments are my delight. And the word delight there is enjoyment. It's a different Hebrew word. I'm thinking, how in the world? That's the only way you can survive when you're in a troubled and a place or are you sensing this anguish to the point where there's nothing but confinement and narrowness that seems to be taking hold of you and then learning to delight in those commandments, taking great enjoyment in that. But that's at the end. Um, let me kind of look at the time here. Proverbs 8. This is daily delights with the sons of men. The Lord Yahweh possessed me in the beginning of his, of his way. Before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting from the beginning uh, over or oh, beginning or over the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. I believe this is describing wisdom. If you go back and read the entire uh, context. When there was no fountains abounding of water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was, I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. That phrase keeps coming up over and over again. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth, when he, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandments, when he appointed the foundation of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with him. I was daily his delight, enjoyment, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth, and my delights or enjoyment were with the sons of men. So wisdom being personified here indicates the union and how God takes delight in sharing His divine wisdom with who? The sons of men. That's us. Link that wisdom to the other things we mentioned about that in Psalms. Powerful. Now therefore, hearken, Shema unto me, O you children, for blessed are they that shamar my ways, my Derek. Hear, Shema the instruction, and be wise and refuse it not. We all know these here, but everything led up to it. Blessed is the man that Shema's me and watches, remains alert, remains on the lookout daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whosoever finds life and shall obtain favor, favor there is rason of the Lord. Wait a minute. Whosoever finds me finds life and will obtain rason, will obtain delight and have this sense of satisfaction of Yahweh that's connected to his plan. But he that sins against me wrongs his own soul and all they that hate me love death. So all this whole, this whole time about wisdom, I was there. I was there when this was done. All this incredible things that God did. And then he seals it up by saying, 
my delights over the sons of men, that partnership and that connection with people like us. I love that. So let me, let me scan here. Here's another instance with truth in Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination to Yahweh, but they that deal truly, that's in the immuna, which really is acting upon what God's put inside us from the Amman, the right hand, are His delight. Next time you get down or you get upset or you get depressed or whatever you're facing, remember this. Those that are, those that are dealing in the immuna, the truth of what God's put in us that we've acted upon from the right hand, He says, you are His delight in that. This is really powerful when you, when you really stop, meditate, and really read it for what it, what it really says. A man's ways. <laughs> Almost sounds like some kind of new song of some sort. Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways, Derek, please, here's the word, Yahweh, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. <laughs> That's pretty powerful. I'm glad he can do that, you know, because the focus is on not that we can bring the peace or anything that we can do, but other than when our ways are pleasing to, when our ways are in alignment with Yahweh's eternal plan, then that's when he steps into making our enemies, our opponents, those that are hostile against us to be at peace. Shalom. Trying to see which ones I need to kind of, it's hard to not focus on any of them. To peel a prayer, we you know pastors written a lot about that. Let's let's kind of move to um, um, the book. The writer of Ecclesiastes reveals that there's a season and a time to ever every shafet's purpose in Ecclesiastes one verses uh, one through ten. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose. Purpose there is desire, the thing that God values. The thing that's going on in his mind under heaven, and then he goes through it all and he begins to list it. And then in verse 10, verse 9, he says, What profit hath he that works in that wherein he labors? I have seen the travail which God has given to the sons of man to be exercised by it. So everything in this list here is part of the desire and the things that God values that occur in everything under heaven. I mean, you can go back and read it. It's, it's an exhaustive listing. And then he restates it in uh, verses 16 and 17. And moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment that wickedness was there and the place of righteousness that iniquity was there. I said in mine heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked for there is a time there for every purpose, same word, and for every work. And I'm going to try to conclude here. I want to look real quick. Okay, let's move down a few to. You got the coming Messiah. There's some words there that are 
that are that you can go back and read later on. But I do want to focus on this one that says uh, the Ra'ah shepherd to perform all the pleasure of Yahweh in Isaiah 44. Do you guys see that one? Let's look at that one together. Isaiah 44, 24 through 28. This is about um, uh, King Cyrus. The, uh, remember the famous verse about loosing of the loins? This comes before that. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Yahweh, thy Redeemer, he that formed thee from the womb, I am Yahweh that makes all things, that stretch forth the heavens alone, that spreads abroad the earth by myself. See, he doesn't need any help on that one. He's got it. Yeah, baby, he's got it. That frustrates the tokens of the liars. Thank you, Lord. And makes diviners mad. <laughs> and that turns wise men backward. <laughs> and makes their knowledge foolish. That confirms the word of his servant and performs the counsel of his messengers. Whoa, those are two powerful... I can get off, but I'm going to move on. That saith to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be inhabited in the cities of Judah. You shall be built. And I will raise up the decayed places. That says to the deep, Be dry, and I will dry up thy rivers. That saith unto Cyrus, He is my Ra'ah shepherd, and shall perform all of my desire. I forgot that I missed a... Uh, yeah. That's the word we get the pleasure, things that valued, even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be built and to the temple, thy foundation shall be laid. And if you keep reading in the next chapter, it talks about the two leaf gate, the, the um, loosing the loins of kings, the Cyrus anointing. Man, this is this is part of it right here. He says this type of an, an individual is going gonna, is gonna to have a shepherd-like capability to ra'ah, discerning what's good, what's evil. And not only that, but will perform everything that is in, in, that I value, the things that are in my mind, the things that I desire. That's us. And that includes building and laying foundations. Structure. Support structure within the church, within groupings of people. I mean, I think about Brazil. I've never been there, but I've heard enough from the people that have gone to go, man, they need support. They need a structure in place. And that's some of the things we're trying to provide. Part of Cyrus. That's cool. I love that. The Word of Yahweh going forth. And we'll conclude with this. This is a great one to conclude with. Isaiah 55, 8-13. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith Yahweh. That has always been part of the plan and that will forever be God's plan. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts, your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither, but waters the earth, makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes forth out of my mouth, it will not return unto me void, which means empty, ineffective, undeserved, or worthless. But it will accomplish, and that's our word, 
Asa, and it means to, to do or make something that I please. Here's our word. And it shall prosper to push forward the thing whereunto I sent it. Notice the con. I mean, God's saying, my thoughts, not your thoughts. My ways, my word that comes out of the mouth of mouth of the Lord, the mouth of Yahweh represents what he utters forth at that right hand that's that's about his plan. It it has we hear it's pretty simple. We're like Solomon and, and John the Baptist, right? We we stand and hear. And when we hear, we obey, and then he does the rest, right? I mean, we have more to do, but those are the two. If we can do those, we will be in great shape and position and we will see God perform in a miraculous way things that He's focused on. And you will go forth, go out with joy, be led forth with peace, shalom. The mountains and the hills break forth before you in singing. I want to see that. I want to be a part of that. Mountains and and hills, things that are... um, that appear to be obstacles and barriers and some are high, some are low, breaking forth before us into singing. All the trees clapping their hands. I mean, I know we're personifying inanimate objects, but it's still incredible. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And so His Word is so important. And we partner with what comes out of His mouth. Whatever He says, we need to be like Mary. Whatever He says, you do it. Let's put some action behind our words. And so as, as I conclude, I'm done. I want us all just to evaluate where, where our desires are at. You, you, this is very personal. You go before the Lord and just ask Him, Lord, Search me. Try me. See if there's any twisted thing that I've gotten involved in. See if I've become distracted by the tail of Behemoth who's wagging his tail. I mean, you think about a dog. Okay, I think about Maley. Every time I come in, little tail wagging. What does it do? It kind of it's a distraction. Kind of gets you away. Behemoth is much more sophisticated with his tail wagging. But I recognize it now. And there are some things that I'm having to look at that he's he's put his finger on. Does it feel good? No, it's kind of painful. No, kind of nothing. It is very painful. Because you look at your heart and you go, I thought I was, I thought I had that in submission, you know, I thought I was okay with that. Well, yeah, but it's a new day. It's we're in a large, open, expansive place that's different. That needs, you know, walls knocked out. Things removed that don't need to be there anymore. And, and, and I know that even in me and in you, our desire is to be doing the things that please Him. That's the ultimate. We're not all there yet. I don't think we ever will be until the second coming, whenever that is. 
But I just encourage you, this is a, this is a great word. I mean, it is. Now, I've taken it in and I've ingested it and I've eaten it. And I'm like, oh, I swallow it a little bit. And then I try to regurgitate it. No, take it all in. Um, don't be like the daisy. And, and I've even, I've, I, and I'm, I'm really in it. I even did this. I put together a list. You might want to do this. This is what I did. Call it your, your um, call it God's delight zone, whatever you want to call it. List it out. And then over on the other column, list out what he's put in you that is in that zone. And what I mean by that is we all know what it feels like for something to be a drudgery, right? Oh my God, I've got to do this. That doesn't go there. If you have those types of things, and these things can be even spiritual things. I'm serious. So God's, God doesn't want anybody video editing? Well, no, I'm just saying. He don't want me doing that as much as I used to. Because that's taking me away from the other things that I need to be in studying and, and interceding and praying. Because for me, that's, that's, that's the best. For all of us, that's the better part. But there's things that He's going to want to take. To not go in that, that delight zone. You've got to figure that out and be honest. And if there's things that are time wasters, i.e. social media, he's hammered, he's hammered that in me. He's like, you're spending too much time on there. Your phone even tells you now. You've been spending four and a half hours on it a week. Oh, thank you, Apple. I appreciate that. That sound, you, it sounds kind of crazy. but if You think about how much we waste time. Remember, time is fixed. It's gone, it's gone. Your energy is renewable. There's things we can do to have more energy or to just remain being drained. The Lord said, you've wearied me with your words. We get wearied and exhausted because we take on too many things that are not in our the, the delight zone of the Lord. I'm saying let's say no to those so we have more time, more energy to focus on those those things. So try that little exercise. So Lord, um, I know I've kind of babbled on here for 15 more minutes. I apologize. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share with our family and our friends here. And Lord, we, all of us in this room, I know it's, 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 it's our desire to do those things that you delight in. But Lord, search us. Try us. And see if there's any wicked way that is within us or we've been influenced to, to be drawn away to do other things. Bring us back into alignment. Tell us and show us what those things are. And when you do that, let us totally submit those things to you and continue moving forward. And I thank you for this. And I just declare over all my the saints here that you will... A grace, grace measure. A grace, grace measure to overcome in the midst of trouble and anguish or anything else that is going on in people's lives. And Lord, we speak healing. And I just declare these remedies, these unexpected releases of provision would, would, would come forth. Lord, if you ask us to 
to, to let down that net, even though we've been fishing all night, we will let that net down and abundant provision will come. Help us to hear and follow in obedience wholeheartedly. We thank you. We love you. And ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.